Hi, uh, welcome to the New Voting Project. My name is Kunal, still your host. Um, and today we're here with Kevin Ballin, um, a student at Harvard University, uh, a former organizer and co-chair of the Harvard Votes Challenge, uh, current vice president of the Institute of Politics at Harvard, um, and a student advisory board member um, at the Campus Vote Project, uh, who is also the founder of the Engage Initiative, which I'm sure we're going to be talking about later in this interview. Um, so thank you so much, Kevin, for joining us um, and taking time out of your day. We do appreciate that. Yeah, thanks so much for having me here. Of course, of course. Um, so yeah, let's get into these questions. Um, just for our viewers, uh, talk a little bit about your background. You know, what brought you to the to the political scene, uh, at least at Harvard and creating your, no, your own initiative and touch on how your, your college education is actually preparing you to handle the roles you currently assume and um, you know, subsequently want to aspire to be. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Kevin, I'm originally from Boston, Massachusetts. Um, and I started getting involved in this space when I was about 14 years old. I, my like backstory before that point, and I guess like where I got involved in civic engagement, my parents always emphasize volunteering and service and helping out. And we went to the homeless shelter every single month. And honestly, it was all kind of like bullshit to me. Um, it, you know, it, didn't, it felt very rope. Like we were sort of just like doing what we were supposed to be doing. And it wasn't until I was 14 and I was uh, actually a part of this like fundraising event outside of supermarkets. We were raising baby supplies for a homeless daycare. And we were standing outside and asking customers to come in and buy these supplies so we could donate them. And I got a call 24 hours before the event uh, from our advisor saying that the upperclassmen are out of the event. She's sick. There's like a flu going around. And uh, can you take the lead? And I was like, oh my God, like, okay, I guess I could do this. I stayed up all night making my planning documents and my memos, woke up super early in the morning, went to Dunkin' Donuts, was out there at like 6 a.m. greeting all of our volunteers and just sent, felt this like immense sense of agency as a young person realizing, wow, like I have power to do things. I have creativity. Um, and that was like a real spark for me. That was a real kind of like click moment. Um, and in high school, I was really focused on building volunteer programs at my school that were really sort of meaningful where students could think about community action and community issues that they wanted to tackle and sort of unique assets that they could bring to the table. Um, and so we had students, you know, building after school programs, we had students building cooking classes with elder elders, we had you know, a whole series of different initiatives and events that were going on. Um, and then I, I kind of got interested in, in the voting world I after high school went and worked in the mayor's office in Boston. I took some time off between high school and college and really wanted to kind of continue this work. Um, and at the mayor's office, that's where I sort of got like my beginning uh, taste of sort of the political world as another kind of form of social change and was working in their office, thinking about different ways to turn out voters and different ways to engage young people. Um, and that's where I kind of got my, my, my taste of the political scene. And after two years of doing that work and running this initiative called Engage, which we can talk about later, I came to Harvard, deciding it was sort of time to like deepen my education and bring some academia to, to my skill set. Um, and my first day on campus, I got recruited to, to do campus voting and sort of have done that work for the past three years since. Right. And you think Harvard um, kind of, I guess, supplemented the work that you were doing? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think I, I, I think at first when, when I first took time off or first graduated from high school, I was like, I don't, I don't need college. That was like literally my mentality. I was like, I can do this myself. Like I have the tool set. 
you know, I think it's overrated that you have to be like X age, you know, whatever. And I think I, after making many, many mistakes over those years, like came to realize like, no, actually I don't have the tools. I don't have the experience necessary. And there's a lot of pieces that are missing as well. And so I'm super grateful, I think, to, to come to college and I'm a sociology concentrator. So like sociology okay. is all about understanding what's happening around us and taking a real research approach to it. And there's just like so much more you can gain from like research and academia around social problems. So I, yeah, I was, I had this really big head when I first started. And I think I, after making many mistakes sort of realized that, okay, yeah, I, college, there's a lot to offer the, in college. Right. Yeah, no. And um, so you didn't actually attend college right out of high school then. Nope. Wow. So, yeah. wow. Okay. Yeah. That, that's interesting. Yeah. That's the, uh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. I, I can respect that. Taking on the organizing yeah. role without without a college education that's that's pretty yeah, that's pretty hard um, it, was, it was interesting yeah no it was it was fun I was like very up for the task I you know like found an apartment on Craigslist did that whole wow. thing like tried to make new social networks and um was working so it was you know there was definitely like a FOMO element to it um but it was definitely a lot of fun to kind of dive right in and, and I'm great I mean I'm, in some ways I'm really grateful for the experience because there's so many things I learned like wow I you know I can't do things this way or this doesn't work or this is sort of how things you know potentially play out that I've been able to take to my my, my later work to be more strategic and um meaningful yeah you know something we should do on the show is we should do an episode just where we talk about college um and I should bring in all the college folks we've already had on the show and have a group discussion I think that'd be great yeah um, that'd be awesome yeah no and and you know good good job starting you know i i started at the local level as well you know working on a mayoral campaign um so you know working at the mayor's office i'm sure was pretty um i, I guess eye-opening you know because that's local change is the best change we in you know the polit political world totally uh, and as in we i mean everybody uh you know local change yeah. where you can taste it you know, federal is like, eh, totally. just, you know, big highlights in CNN. That's really it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, yeah, that's, that's great to hear. Um, now let's talk about campus vote project. You said you got recruited on your first day. Uh, that's interesting. They really, <laughs> they really bought you on yeah. your first day. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I got recruited. So I had a contact already going in to, to Harvard that was basically recruited to be the staff person for this new initiative that was started called the Harvard Votes Challenge. Mm -hmm. That was meant to sort of be this university-wide voter engagement initiative, sort of the first in Harvard's history. And so I got recruited, literally got an email my first day that I was moving into campus saying, hey, Kevin, like, I think you'd be great for this. And jumped on board. I was like a freshman dorm organizer in the 2018 midterm. So I basically like took from like community organizing playbooks. They found a, an organizer in every single dorm in the first couple of weeks of school, tasked them with basically running these different study breaks around civic engagement and checking in individually, door knocking, slipping things under doors with every single student to make sure that they were registered to vote, requested their absentee ballots, how was they needed. Um, and so really kind of invested in that like peer-to-peer -peer organizing model um, in the 2018 midterms and then came on to lead the organization 2019 and 2020 through the last election. Hmm, that's great. Yeah, no. Yeah, that's pretty much how everybody starts in the organizing field. You walk doors and you, you know, put literature on, sure. you know, give yeah. it to people, shove it in their face, but politely. And, and you know, at least for on our end, register folks or have them vote yeah. right there. Um, that's kind yeah. of what we hope to accomplish. So you did that at the collegiate level, which I think is equally and probably more valuable um, because we don't know what to expect, you know, walking door yeah. in the neighborhood. Yeah, no, I mean, college voting is, is super interesting, right? Like, you know, you'd expect certain universities to have super high voting rates, you know, universities that pride themselves on excellence, but 
when we started this work at Harvard, less than one in four undergrads turned out to vote. So, wow. you know, we were you know dealing with really low voter turnout. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that came from a, a whole series of different issues. It's, it's actually really, like, can be really complicated for a college student to vote. Um, you know, if you are, let's say, a student that lives in Mississippi, you might have to have your absentee ballot notarized and go find a notary public and understand what that means, to have a witness, um, you know, sign your ballot. So there's all these, like, stipulations that you have to go through. And there's even little things. Like, when you live on a campus, your campus mailing address and your residential address and the address that you should use to register to vote are all different. So it's, you know, it's not the most complicated thing in the world, but if there's not an ecosystem of information to actually walk you through it, then you're probably going to mess up the process. Um, and so it's, you know, it's students do want to vote, there's enthusiasm to do it, but it's all about like, how do we reduce the barriers and keep that enthusiasm high? So they actually persist through the process, which is obviously unfortunate. And there's like lots of reform needed, but um, yeah, surprisingly like college voting, you know, a huge voting block, you know, immense amount of power, um, with those 20 million students that are in universities, but yet it's really complicated for these students to vote, and they're usually an untapped audience as well. Damn. And I, no offense, but I would expect Harvard to be at the top of their game. I mean, you'd think so, right? You know, and, and that's kind of how we sold this initiative. You know, when we did organizing, yes, there was like a student ground game, right? We talked to every single student that's part of the initiative to have a conversation with every single you know student across the university. But then it's also to to organize with administrators and to organize with you know folks all the way up to our university president, who's now an uh, an avid supporter of voting, but also mid level administrators to do things like have stamps and envelopes and voter registration forms in their offices, or to integrate things into their uh, classrooms or into orientation programs. So it really is sort of, let's do this as an entire Harvard community and, and doing that organizing at all levels to really get everyone on board. And you know, we have numbers in the, in the higher ed voting space, the, the study that Tufts puts out, um, the National Study of Learning Voter Voting yeah, and Engagement so. actually looks at, yeah, NSOL looks at these numbers. So there's actually yeah. a way for us to measure which is super hard in the civic engagement space to actually, you know, keep a measurement. You can do things in research. You can, there's other, you know, folks that are creating accolades for colleges when it comes to civic engagement. Now we actually have these tools to, to look at how we're doing and, and be transparent about it. So, you know, there's a way to track and to make sure that we're really on our game. And we've now rallied the university to, you know, one, be excited about like, let's be number one. Let's, you know, let's make the greatest voting program we possibly can. But also we have so many resources as, as a university. Let's use our platform to engage other universities as well. So we've hosted conferences around voting. Our president has written op-eds about voter engagement um, and the entire university has really taken yeah, on this and initiative. The, and the Ivy Votes Challenge. Don't leave that and out. And the Ivy Votes Challenge, That's yeah. Kind of how yeah. I got to meet all of you, right? Who <laughs> came on yeah. the show the past yeah. couple episodes. Uh, but I, yeah. I would just like to add, and this is my idea, so I'm copywriting it. Harvard Vote Center, boom. The Harvard <laughs> Voting Center, boom. And I could head it personally. You know, me, I don't want to, you know, Harvard, sure, if you'll accept me, I am applying. Yep. <laughs> but the Harvard Voting Center, boom, solves all your problems. There you go. All the yeah. answers in one location. Mr. President, you, you know, give me a call. All right. Anyway, <laughs> um, let's talk about the Institute of Politics. Now, this is something that intrigues me. You're currently, I think, an elected, in an elected capacity, you're the vice president of the IOP. Yep. Um, talk yep. about what that entails. What do you guys actually do at the Institute? Yeah. Yeah. So the Institute of Politics is the premier civic center, civic wing of Harvard College and Harvard University. Uh, we do a series of different things. So the bread and butter of our work is that we have 16 different student programs that students, undergraduates primarily can uh, jump into and build different political skills, hear amazing speakers and, and put on amazing projects and events. Um, so this is everything from our biannual youth poll, which is the, the 
um, preeminent youth poll that you know is looking at attitudes of um, 18 to 29 year olds across the country. Uh, we have the JFK Junior Forum where we bring wonderful speakers that talk about um, different political issues or topics in civic engagement. We have a national campaign conference where we bring together higher education universities. We have a civics program where we send college students out into fifth grade classrooms to teach civics. Um, so a whole series of different programs. We have about 800 members usually at any given time. And so that's like really the bread and butter of what we do at the IOP. Um, and then we also are this institution of civic learning and civic engagement for young people. So we host different conferences, um, different events, sort of convening, whether it be elected with our new mem members of Congress or new mayor's conference or bringing together other universities to really sort of learn and connect with each other around civic engagement is really key. So that's sort of the IOP overall. And um, as vice president, we have an executive team. We help run all the programs at the IOP. So all these student programs, we have a you know chairing a, a chairs and a board of about twenty five members, um, and then also special initiatives and special events. If you're really thinking through what do we want the IOP to put on for the year, what types of programming do we want to run, what type of goals do we have this past year, we're really focused on. Um, meeting the political moment that we're within, right? We saw so much enthusiasm, so much momentum in 2020 with young people turning right, hold out off on like 2020. Hold off on 2020. We are yeah. going okay, to okay, get, we'll there. get there. We'll get there. Yeah, <laughs> so we'll get there. But anyways, right, like it needs to yeah. continue. There was so much momentum, so much enthusiasm. Like what is 2021 going to look like? What is 2022 going to look like? Let's continue to keep it, you know, fostering that momentum. So we put on a really massive conference where we opened it up to, I think we had I don't know, over 100 different schools participate in the spring, um, coming together and sharing different strategies around civic engagement, thinking through, we you know did this really cool thing called the Day of Civic Action at Harvard. So, right, we have Election Day, which is a great day for action, but we wanted to promote other things like signing petitions, like um, calling representatives and senators, um, advocating for different causes, protesting. And so we held this sort of day of centralized action around that, which is really like the first ever that we know of in the higher education space to kind of promote these involvement opportunities beyond voting. So our goal is really to sort of meet that moment and continue that enthusiasm. And so as an executive team, that's kind of what we're responsible for. Yeah, that seems cool. Yeah, that's that's good. I'm glad I'm glad Harvard has that covered. Um, <laughs> uh, but I'm also glad you were there to help them um, and aid them in the process of, of getting folks registered and actually voting. Yeah, I mean, you know, when it comes to Harvard civic engagement, I think one of the big challenges, it, there's many different challenges, but you know, a big challenge that I think we're facing in the public service ecosystem is that we have an immense amount of students that come in with an interest in public service and civic engagement and, and, and you know, doing positive things in the world for their careers or you know, every single day. And then we leave with, let's say 5% of students pursuing those careers. Um, you know, majority of our students go and pursue finance and consulting, which is not a bad thing, like go ahead and, and, and do that if that's kind of what your calling is. Um, but we need to have these other options and also find ways for students to still integrate, you know, what ethical engagement, what public service, what civic engagement looks like in their lives. And so we really are like participating in brain drain and really need to think critically about like, how are we recreating this institution to be this civic center in this civic place, um, given all the resources and the platform that we have. Yeah, no, and I would have to second that. Now I want to talk about engage because this is what um, really caught my eye when I was doing some research. Yeah, I was doing some research, not that much. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> um, tell me why you started the engage program. I believe engage was started before you came to to Harvard University. And yep. what what was the core objectives, the policies that you were trying to accomplish? Yep. You know, how did it carry on into your current, yep. current capacities? You know, tell me about that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So uh, it basically came out of the work that I did in high school, realizing, you know, what I found in high school was 
we don't prioritize civic engagement or civic learning in our K-12 education. I did the calculation in my high school. I had over a thousand hours of math instruction, of math homework, of math exams throughout the course of my four years. I had four trained teachers that either had master's degrees or PhDs. I took 10 state you know, and national standardized tests around mathematics. And we had a 40 hour service requirement. Not that a service requirement is actually the right way to do civic engagement. We had 40 hours sort of dedicated to this, you know, service civic engagement. We had a thousand hours dedicated to mathematics. How often do I use math in my daily life? Not very often. How often do I use sort on of this show, on communities this show, of social issues? Yeah. On this show, we don't talk about math. Me and math have a complex, exactly, you exactly. know, love, hate. So yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So kind of taking that into account, my goal in high school is really like, how do we integrate this, you know, ideas of, of, of service and civic engagement and, and understanding kind of who we are as people and who we are in our communities more into what it, what it means to be a student into our daily lives. And so at my school, we built sort of new programs. We were thinking about, you know, new instruction, instructional classes, service learning curriculum. And so I wanted to continue that work kind of going forward. And so this started out in the mayor's office and then kind of branched off. Um, it was housed at a nonprofit called Be the Change. Um, it was basically a civic and social emotional learning program for K-12 students where we put together curriculum, we put together trainings for educators that were really focused on sort of teaching these skills that often get left out. Um, and they were all sort of participatory lessons so students would learn about um, identity, students would learn about building positive relationships, students would learn about different levels of government, they learn about social change and activism, they learn about um, you know, history in Boston of racism and, and discrimination, and then they do different products around it. Um, and it was actually integrated into the school day, um, which I think was the coolest part. So students would have their math class, they'd have their science class, and then they'd actually have their engaged class. So it was put on the same level as these other academic uh, priorities and actually really sort of, you know, highlighted and uplifted in certain schools. And so I ran that initiative um, for two years. We had, I think, about our peak um, Think about 60,000 students that were enrolled in our programming um, in, in some form or fashion or were using our curriculum, whether that was in schools or after school programs. Um, we were a big partner with the YMCA and we're a lot of in, in YMCA after school programs and summer camps. And, you know, I, I worked with experts. I worked with a lot of folks that sort of really understood this, but also just kind of did it from my perspective as a young person who just went to school and understood, like, here are the ways that, like, what, what was interesting to me here was what was missing out and, um, you know, really sort of built the, the principles of, of the curriculum and the trainings and the programming from there. Yeah, no, I've been actually, you know, pondering, wouldn't it be great if in school, 15, 16 year olds, there was a you know, there was like a mandatory day where we learned about how to actually vote, you know, forget like, you know, financial literacy. Yeah. That's been a really yeah. big topic teaching folks, you know, totally. outside of school, you got to pay taxes, you got to do this, the IRS yeah. is a thing. Uh, but but let's think, shouldn't shouldn't we learn how to vote what the polls look like? What is the significance of voting? Totally. Yeah. <laughs> from a historical perspective, I've studied American history for many, many years. And I can, you know, I could bring you back to Reconstruction. I could take it back to the 60s. I could take it back to, sure. you know, when James Madison was all, you know, let's write a constitution. Um, but there is not an emphasis in, within within any school system, you know, particularly I, I was I was fond of like Engage where it was actually developed into the curriculum. But where yeah. I come from, you know, I was fortunate enough to have parents who took me to the polls. Uh, first time I went to the polls was in 2016. So I imagine what that was about. Um, but now, I mean, so, so many folks are engaged after the Trump era and, you know, I'm invigorated. I mean, I got started out of that. So, yeah, I mean, it should be mandatory that we learn how to vote through school. Um, and and yeah. you know, I love, actually, I, I also have a love-hate relationship with College Board, uh, but I think you know, as an educational institution, we severely lack 
the resources and the emphasis on civic engagement, mainly due to the fact because, you know, as much as we want our young people to get involved, they really don't have a platform. They don't have yeah. a way to channel their energy to get involved, totally. uh, which is what we're going to address in some later questions. Uh, but yeah, no, for yeah, sure. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I think there's like two things I want to unpack that you said. One is, right, there's a dearth of civic education, curriculum, standards, understanding, resources, investment in the United States, right? Like, and we have some states, Massachusetts recently has, you know, had some civics bills that, you know, require more mm -hmm. civics curriculum, more civics learning. There's no tests around it. There's no, you know, expectations or accountability in, in many places. And also, if you talk to most people about their civics classes, like, they suck. They're not interesting, um, right? You have to make them participatory. You have to make them exciting. And I think the second thing is, right, about teaching voting. This was something that that came up so often when we were doing voting work at Harvard was you have all these students that have never voted before. Like, it's kind of intimidating to walk into, you know, every polling location is different, but to walk in, to know what you're doing. Many times, poll workers typically are really friendly, but they can be unfriendly. Other people around you are in a rush. I'm so a like, friendly you one. have to be down these processes for people. Yeah. I'm a friendly poll worker, FYI, to anybody who's going to come to that area. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, in some colleges, they offer credit to go out there and get real work experience. I think they should offer yeah. credit at the high school level to go out there and work on a campaign. Same, same, totally. way, same yeah. way you, you, you know, you allocate 40 hours of your time to working at the senior center or whatever. I didn't take yep. that path. Totally. You know, I, I spent all my time yep. working on campaign and getting to know the leaders of my community so that I can make an impact. That yeah. I think yeah, totally. is a much more valuable lesson than spending your after schools you know, um, somewhere else, you know, uh, and, and yeah. not to say that I'm putting a hierarchy on one or the other, but one may lead to more of a, um, you know, systemic um, and systematic impact. Because like, yeah. you know, a lot of research suggests if you're, a, if you're an early voter at 18, you're more likely to be a habitual voter. And that's what we want to instill totally. those values, right? Um, but anyway, that's just me, you know, rambling about shit that matters. Um, Let's talk about 2020. Uh, you brought it up, 2020 election. I mean, not many words can characterize that year. Uh, once in a century pandemic, uh, crazy election, crazy, like too much mudslinging and going back and forth. And I was on the ground and COVID and all this that. Tell me, give me your thoughts on 2020. Yeah, I mean, it was chaos and so much to kind of unpack there. I think my main, my main, I, I think there's a couple of different takeaways, right? Like one is obviously like it was incredible, like feat of organizing and incredible turnout amongst young people. Yes, but also like, you know, we look at the numbers, 50% of young people turned out, 50% didn't. So there's like still tons of work to be done. I mean, our system is so broken. I think it's like what the main reflection was there. I mean, we, the amount of people I like set up a hotline on our campus and mm -hmm. basically tracked who had problems with voting for whatever reasons. And we got hundreds of students emailing, casting yeah. us my ballots aren't showing up. My uh, elections department isn't, isn't at, like, you know, answering my phone calls. Uh, I, you know, my voter registration says something different than when I actually registered to vote. Like online, I took a picture of it. Like all of these ridiculous things our election system is not set up to accomplish, mm -hmm. not set up to tackle was like so frustrating. And I think so many people like woke up because of that and we're like whoa like we have a real problem with elections and civic engagement in our country that we need to tackle and we need to solve and we need to channel that energy to pass things like hr1 s1 the for the people act and to, to do things to like reform our system and honestly it's kind of disappointing that like we haven't been able to make these things happen 
um, you know, given, you know, that we all are kind of in favor of civic engagement, all in favor of, you know, making voting and access to ballot box more accessible. Like, I'm honestly disappointed that we haven't been able to make it happen because there's organizers that are out there. We are, you know, making phone calls where we're organizing our communities and, and we need to, it to be easier. And I, I think it's absolutely ridiculous that it hasn't, um, we haven't been able to pass these bills. Right. And, um, and the next question is very simple. Uh, it's one I ask everybody. Is voting important? Yeah, I, I mean, I would say so. It's important on, on, on many different levels, like right, voting is our proxy for power. It's our opportunity to um, use our voices and, and, and advocate for the changes that we want to see in our communities. Like, that's one. I think two, it's an voting, like, it's an important civic institution and civic sort of a channel for us to kind of, um, you know, move people in the, the full funnel of civic engagement, right? Like if you vote, you're more likely to do other things that are positive for your community, more likely to kind of advocate, more likely to look out for your neighbors, like more likely to be kind of involved in what's happening around you. Mm -hmm. um, and I honestly think we have this massive distrust of, of our systems and massive distrust of our government that like we're, we're losing people and we're like, we, we need to sort of regain those, those structures. Um, and I think voting is a key way to do it and for people to sort of reinvest in the system and to, to kind of see their preferences you know, in public office and in, in their streets and in their communities and the air they breathe and, and the roads they drive on. And yeah, no, I'd have to concur. Doctor, I concur. Very famous line. Um, anyway, um, I try to make this fun. <laughs> Give me some credit. <laughs> uh, should 16 year olds, you know, I'm 17. I'll be voting in my first election next year. Um, Pre-registered everything. So you don't have to yell at me or call me, please. Gets like spam sometimes. Um, should 16, 17 year olds, you know, be allowed to enter the, the civic process, the, the power to vote, you know, in some cities, I know Berkeley, I know Oakland, this is where my hub base is at, you know, there's there, they have youth vote. Um, and I think in Maryland, they also pass something similar at the very municipal level. I believe youth is able to vote for this, you know, their school board elections and, 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 you know, what carries on at the, at the local level that impacts them. What are your thoughts on this idea that young people should be given that platform, should be given that responsibility, um, and could therefore lead to more um, results when it comes to youth turnout when they turn 18? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's an unequivocal yes for me. Like, I, I'm sold on it. I think for for so many different reasons that you've already mentioned in terms of like increasing voting burner turnout and civic engagement. But I also think like, you know, as a 16 year old, you are a member of our community, you have a say, like there are responsibilities that you hold, you should also be given the responsibility and, and the power and tools of civic engagement as well. Um, so absolutely, I think it, then it becomes a question of like, at what point do you kind of cut it off? Of do you let 11 year olds vote, 12 year olds vote? And I honestly think those are questions we should engage in. Like, I'm not even kidding. I think these are all members of our community. Um, I think like 16 makes a lot of sense because that's like, you know, in, in many ways, like there are additional responsibilities that come with that age. Um, there's uh, additional um, like parts of the legal system that you're involved in when you're 16 as well. So I think that it does make a lot of sense for 16 year olds to, to be allowed to kind of vote. And I, I understand like where some of the pushback comes from. I think there's like some lens of pushback that, you know, 16 year olds aren't equipped. I, that's kind of like not great, uh, not not a great answer. Like I think 16 year olds are equipped and usually like have, you know, currently right now with our generation of 16 year olds, like have a decent sense of what's going on in the world and have a lot of things to say about it. Uh, but I think it also needs to come with better civics education as we were talking about earlier, right? Like if people are worried about 16 year olds voting, give them civic education. Like, you know what I mean? Like it doesn't have to be like an either or it's like, you know, let's do it all. Let's reinvest in our system. 
Um, and so I think with the proper civics education, like people will, will be excited about 16 year olds voting, but I, you know, I think 16 year olds are equipped to vote now. Yeah, and I think starting in high school, folks should learn what civics actually means. You know, that's a great buildup, you know. Um, yeah, I'd have to agree. Let's talk about Georgia. Uh, this is something very key and prevalent, at, obviously. Um, Georgia, Texas, you know, conservative reaction towards the 2020 election. Some could argue it's been happening um, since 2013. Uh, somebody briefed me on a, on a Supreme Court case that actually um, took power out of the Voting Rights Act of 1965, um, which led to this domino effect of shit happening um, in the United States regarding voting rights. Um, give me your thoughts on, on you know, the, the voting restrictions, the voter suppression in, in these states. You know, why is it kind of happening from your perspective? What do you think we should be doing about it? Um, and, and what should we be advocating both at, you know, a younger level to, to the older folks? You know, give me your two cents. Yeah, I, those are great questions. I, you know, I'm not on the ground in either of those states. And I, you know, I think the best thing we can do is like uh, talk to the organizers in those states and understand kind of really what, what they need and what they're seeing. I think from like an outside perspective of supporting student voters all across the country, like there's tons of restrictions in those states that make it really difficult for students to vote and and, and, and really kind of like a, a disheartening process as well. Like I think I saw a lot of people that after they hit one initial barrier, were like, I don't know if it's worth it anymore. Like clearly my, my voice isn't valued. So I don't know if I want to keep showing up. And I think like we need to restore that faith. It shouldn't be so hard to kind of help someone to, to vote or to cast their ballot. Um, so, you know, I think there's so much work to be done there. And I, I think we need to figure out like what the organizers need and provide them to provide them with it. I, I also think too, you know, not to, to minimize what's going on in those states, because I think that's like obviously where voter suppression is like kind of at its, its climax, but in so many other states that you wouldn't even expect like have elections departments that just are not set up to support voters in, in many ways. And we have a massive disinvestment in election system. Like, you know, there's certain places in the Northeast where it is so hard to get a hold of their elections office, so difficult um, to work with them to, to kind of help them support student voters. I had, you know, one student that lived in New York who was calling their local election office like five or six times. I had to call the attorney general's office to like get a hold of their elections office because it was so ridiculous. They were not responding. They were being rude to the students. Um, they, you know, were, you know, not able to process their absentee ballots. They submitted, you know, requests multiple times. Like we have real problems in our election system that are at its heat in some of our Southern states and, and, and some of our, um, you know, in, in down South, but also prevalent across the country as well. And we, we really need to kind of wake up to it. And, you know, one of my hopes and goals after 2020 was, you know, we have all this momentum of all these students that got pumped up about voter turnout, all these people that saw the election system and, and how it's broken firsthand. And how do we then translate that turnout energy to reform energy? And that's something we began to work on that, you know, I think our opportunity was like the For the People Act. And we, you know, we organized, at least in the student voting space, a lot of students to to turn out and, and show up and advocate for that bill. But um, yeah, I think there's lots of opportunities we can, you know, there's a lot of momentum. Like how do we carry all that momentum and, and you know, figure out the best way to sort of funnel it and figure out the best way to sort of push those folks towards reforming and, and reshaping the system. Yeah. No, I'd have to agree. I'm not on the ground in Georgia either. So I just kind of go with what they say um and and see where they need help um but soon soon more to come on that um now let's let's kind of close out um you know we've been talking for some time <laughs> what would you recommend to young people gen z uh don't know where they got z from to be honest uh what would you recommend to us what is your advice 
voting, elections, policy, college, uh, you know, give me, give me a, a universal answer. Um, how do we stay engaged? You know, we're the next, we're the graduating class. We're going to have to take up all the shit that is going to be passed down. Like it's literally on us now, you know, what would you, and it's technically on you. I mean, I don't know how far you are from Gen Z. You might be Gen Z, you know? Yeah, no, I'm Gen Z myself. Um, I think my like main piece of feedback or I guess advice or like words of wisdom is, is just to like get involved and, and persist through it, I think is the, is the main thing. Like there is going to be lots of trials and tribulations as you're involved in the scene. There's going to be a lot of people that like don't believe in you as a young person. I had this come up a lot. And, and they also like, there's going to be a lot of mentors out there that are basically going to like help shape you. And I think there was mentors when I, you know, I talked about when I was like 18 working in the mayor's office, I made so many mistakes. Like it was the mentors that helped me through it. That sort of walked me through it. Um, that like lift me up on, on a platform and, and let me sort of run with things, but also like kind of held me down at times too when I didn't understand what was going on or I was frustrated or upset about certain things and things take time and there's process and like we have to keep pushing and keep advocating for the things that we we believe in uh, but I think it's you know it's 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 staying persistent and staying involved and I think it's finding those mentors and it's finding those allies and it's building those coalitions of people that you could trust and that, that um, can help you grow and that can be your confidant and that you can gut check things with. I think it's so important to do this work with other people and um, to work with with you know groups of other people to work with people across different age brackets age groups um, to even just like find one peer that you want to start something with but I think you know it's finding that partner it's finding the people to work with and I think it's persisting through yeah no, persist and avoid burnout because that'll yeah. get that really- I think, I, Yeah, I think that's fair. And like, you know, at times too, like there might be something, I've had this happen. Like I, you know, worked in this program with for two years with Engage and I was like, you know, it's time for me to go to college and to hand this over to other people to run with it. Like it is okay to stop things and to pass them on to other people and to move on to your next adventure when it makes the most sense for you. Um, and so I think that's also like important as well. Like you don't have to keep sort of hitting at something if it's not making sense to you and to like try a new path, try new things. Like that's what's so great about being young. I think like for folks that are going to college, it's this huge pot of opportunities to just to try new things and to um, have all these resources at your disposal. And so I think it's totally fine to like skip paths, to, to you know, go back a little bit, to, to kind of move around um, and to kind of like really find your niche and, and, and kind of find your place in this like civic ecosystem. Yeah. No, I agree. Still concur, doctor. Um, yeah, that that's that's great. Uh, I, I definitely can't can't say much to that. I mean, like you know, you went to Harvard, of course. <laughs> no, I'm playing. Uh, now, how can viewers stay updated on your platform? If you want to link your socials, I'll add them to the description. Um, but follow you, follow the institute, you know, whatever you want. Yeah. Yeah. No, that sounds great. Yeah, definitely happy for people to kind of reach out to me directly. I can um pass along my like linkedin or email or whatever to, to follow into politics channels we have a lot of exciting stuff that um folks of all ages and across the country can get involved in as well cool uh your twitter do you want to <laughs> i don't i don't i don't have a twitter you don't have a twitter i don't do twitter no, harvard, yeah. harvard i like didn't... i like go on twitter and there are certain people that i watch on twitter but i yeah harvard didn't teach you twitter <laughs> they don't teach twitter there not teach me twitter no what wow Okay, that's a first, honestly. That's that's a real first for the show. I think you've made history. Yeah. Uh, I, used to, I used to not have an Instagram either. I, I got an Instagram pretty recently. I was Oh my God. Cool. How are you even an organizer without Twitter? Oh man. You text people, you know. Oh yeah, I, I te- text people? I don't even text people. I call people. Believe it or not, I am- I call people too. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I could be very annoying if you don't pick up the phone. 
Like, <laughs> that's something I pride myself on, you know. I don't get the new gen. Gen Z doesn't like calling people too. I heard that's like a trope or something. Yeah. Um. Anyway, no. Um. Well, I'll link Campus Vote Project in in substitution of your lack. There you go. There you go. Um. Yeah. Is there anything you'd like to add before we log off? No. This was this was great. Yeah. Happy to connect with anyone. And 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 this sounds like an awesome series. So excited to see where it goes. Exactly. Exactly. Anybody who's listening. You're more than welcome to come on the show and yell at Kevin for not having Twitter. Um, <laughs> but thank you so much for coming on the show. We do appreciate it. Um, I think you yeah. have a unique perspective. I've been trying to enter this kind of collegiate, you know, landscape um, where we talk to college students who are really doing, who are and carrying the work that we, uh, as as Gen Z, as as somebody who's aspiring to go to a university, um, are going to follow and and hopefully, yeah. you know, bear the the culpability to 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 accomplish the same goals. So yeah, no, we, we do appreciate all the work you've been doing. If I'm ever in, in Boston square, that's not how they say it. I feel like that's just British. Um, I'll come, I'll come visit and give you a ring because you don't have Twitter. Sounds good. Yeah. Welcome anytime. Uh, but yes, no, um, do take care of yourself and stay safe. Thank you. Thank you. You too. Take care.